Hi, I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in San Diego. Thank you so much for watching today. If you'd like to support the work that we do here, please consider making a contribution. Go to our website. It's easy to do. Thank you in advance for that contribution. Oftentimes, I think we look at people, or we think that people who are religious or people who are spiritual, and I don't believe that those are the same thing, but I believe that oftentimes we have a bit of a stereotype around people who are devoted to that way of life as being very serious, not very happy, and certainly not very much fun to be around. And yet Paul is writing to the early church, the early original followers of Jesus' teachings, and he's saying, hey, look, these are some of the signs of your awakening. These are some of the signs of a spiritual life. You will begin to, to express in this way and to feel in this way, and he includes joy as one of them. What, be, what happens to us as we go deeper and more consistently into our application of these spiritual teachings is we find that our old ways are in fact old ways. We find that to a certain extent, to use very religious terms, we feel as if we are born again. We feel as if we are born anew, born fresh, meaning that our old self is no longer present in the way that it was before. We are stepping into a, a new and fuller way of living and being. So this morning, I want to share a few things with you and with myself as reminders, some things to remember about joy, and then a few ideas of how to practice and cultivate this quality even more. First important thing to remember is this, that we need to understand the source of joy and how it differs from happiness. I think sometimes people use those words interchangeably. How many of you think they are different, though? They're not quite the same, right? Joy and happiness are similar, and they're both wonderful experiences to have, but they're not exactly the same. To me, happiness tends to be more short-lived. Happiness tends to be in response to something. Oftentimes, it's in response to a person or an experience or a thing. It's triggered I think oftentimes, most of the time, externally. Whereas joy, I believe, is an inner feeling. It's a feeling of well-being. It's a feeling of inner peace. And I think it is born out of an experience of greater acceptance of ourselves. Over the last number of months, I have grown particularly fond of the word content. Content. I believe that, that joy and contentment are far more alike than joy and happiness. That when a person is content, they, are, they experience joy. When a person experiences joy, they are also experiencing contentment. So often, we think it's outside of ourselves, don't we? We think that if we just rearrange things, you know, if I can just get my ex to go to my therapist, or if I can just get my boss or my coworker to come to unity, you know, or right? So there's a little bit of that that still goes on for many of us. If I can just change it out here, or if I can just find it out here in the next experience or the next relationship or the next promotion or the next new thing. And while 
some of that can be fun, that's not the source of our joy. The source of our joy is really an inside job, and it's a choice, and it is a practice. I remember a little story about two dogs, an older dog and a little puppy. And the older dog was watching the puppy run around in circles as fast as it could possibly go. And finally, the older dog said, stop, what are you doing? And the puppy said, well, I, I am chasing my tail. And the older dog said, well, why are you doing that? I'm doing that because happiness is in my tail. And I've been told that what I need to do, that happiness is a thing that every little puppy has to have. And so I'm trying to get it. But as fast as I go, I can never get it. And of course, the older dog just smiled and said, what I have found is if I stop running after it, it just follows me wherever I go. <laughs> and though that's such a simple, sweet little illustration, it does point to something. And I think that's why we chuckle together, because we recognize a part of ourselves in that, don't we? That too often we're trying to find it out here when it really is a matter of, wait a minute, I need to slow down a little bit. I need to slow down a little bit. I need to notice. I need to be present. And when I slow down a bit, and when I notice, and when I feel present, hmm, things start to, to feel a little bit different. What we also have to do is we have to be willing to do some work to train our minds. To train our minds and to open our heart for joy by weeding out the things that destroy it. And I was thinking of three biggies that destroy joy. And as I share them with you, check in with yourself and see if you would agree. Maybe your list is the same as mine. Or you might find that you have an even longer list than I have. But I think these three are, are three of the biggest ones. That we need to weed out comparing. Right? Yeah. Comparing. We can admire something that another person has or a way another person is. But admiring is very different than comparing. Comparing, I believe, is the murderer of joy. It steals our joy. As soon as we are comparing, we usually, we either feel a sense of false superiority, or more often, we feel what? A sense of inferiority. We somehow don't measure up. We somehow aren't doing as well as the other, and whew, there goes our feeling of contentment, right? Are you with me? It's okay if I'm just talking to myself, because I do listen sometimes. <laughs> there goes our feeling of contentment. There goes our feeling of joy. Second one, I think, is criticizing. How many critical people do you know that are joyful? I don't know any person who shows up in life consistently critical. I don't know any person like that that is a person who is joyful, that is a person who is content. We need to watch these things in ourselves, right? And when we notice them, not to add to them and make them worse by blaming ourselves or beating ourselves up internally, but with a bit of a sense of curiosity. I love the word curiosity, and I use it a lot for myself. Gee, Wendy, isn't that interesting? You're thinking that thought. Gee, Wendy, isn't it interesting? You're holding or retelling that story. Isn't it interesting what you're judging right now or criticizing? I find that that word, isn't it interesting? Curiosity is far more helpful to me than lambasting myself and doing a number on myself. So comparing, 
criticizing and cousin to criticizing, I think, is complaining. How many of you rush toward people in your life who are complainers? <laughs> we go the other direction, right? Right? We go the other direction. So part of cultivating joy, practicing joy, is noticing some of the things that get in the way and noticing them and doing something about them. Replacing them with habits and ways of being that help cultivate joy. I want to share five simple ones with you. The first one is pure unity, pure new thought, pure metaphysics, said very simply but very effective, always look for the good. Say that with me. Always look for the good. Turn to your neighbor and encourage them. Always look for the good. All right, I give you a B plus. I'm going easy on you this morning. Always look for the good. Always look for the good. And keep on looking until you find it. If I told you that there was a check for a million dollars payable to whoever found it somewhere in this room, would you look until you found it? Oh, I know you would. And so would I. Always, and my husband's, yes, yes, you'd use it for the ranch, I know you would. <laughs> Always look for the good. Always look for the good. I remember a little story about an older man who had two pockets in his, in his coat. And one pocket he always made sure was sewed up really tight so nothing could ever fall through it. And the other pocket he allowed to have a hole in it. Go figure, right? And as he would go out, go through the day, whenever somebody was critical of him or he got a bit of bad news or something was nasty, he'd write it on a piece of paper and put it in the pocket with the hole in it. And whenever something great happened that day, he would write something on it and put it in the pocket that didn't have a hole in it. And at the end of the day, he would empty out both pockets. And one pocket was completely empty. Which pocket was empty? The one with all the awful stuff that, he, that had happened during the day. And the pocket that was full was the one with all the good things that happened. The challenge is most of us reverse the pockets. Think about it. Think about it. How often, and I know I do this, how often do you have nice things said to you during the day and one not so nice thing? Or one not so nice tweet? Or one not so nice email? And which is the one you hold on to? Right? We tend to. Some of us have surpassed that. Um, but I think a lot of us still get hooked by that not so nice thing. We got to be like that old man. We got to put the things that aren't so nice in the pocket with a hole in it so that at the end of the day, there's nothing there to, to rehearse. So always look for the good. The second, make gratitude an active daily practice. Make gratitude an active daily practice. Say that with me. Make gratitude an active daily practice. I am convinced you cannot sustain joy you cannot experience contentment if you do not practice gratitude. They are absolutely, they go hand in hand. People who have a genuine practice of gratitude, of appreciating what is working in their lives, what is working in the world, what is good, 
People who make that a practice to train themselves to notice and to name it, label it, talk about it, those are the people who are absolutely through that activity cultivating the experience of joy and contentment in their lives. Gratitude is the path to joy. Say that with me. Gratitude is the path to joy. The third is to always keep a sense of perspective. Always keep a sense of perspective. Say that with me. Always keep a sense of perspective. I had a tough day on Monday. Mondays for me are marathon meeting days. From the morning until oftentimes the end of the day, I am in individual staff meetings, and then I'm often in group meetings or team meetings or sometimes very long meetings for our Stallion Oaks Ranch. <clears throat> and for me, that sometimes is a challenge because I want, I've got so much of what I call Wendy's work for the church that that is postponed until I complete all these meetings. And as I was leaving Monday, I noticed I didn't like the mood I was in. Do you ever notice you don't like the mood you're in? It's easy to notice when you don't like somebody else's mood. <laughs> but have you, do you notice when you don't like your own mood? You go, I don't, I don't like who I am right now. And I was so grateful for the things that I have attempted to consistently practice and to learn over the years. And one of them is to challenge myself and ask myself, is whatever is whatever is going on in my life right now, is it a first world problem or a third world problem? Meaning, is it really a problem or is it more of an inconvenience, an annoyance, something frustrating? Third world problems are big problems. They are life and death problems. And I know that sometimes in my own getting into stuff in my life, I can act as if what's going on is actually bigger than what it really is. Can any of the rest of you relate to any of that? Right, so always keep a sense of perspective. I have spoken from this platform any number of times saying that I believe that perspective is actually a spiritual discipline and practice, right along with non-judgment and loving kindness and forgiveness and, and so many of the things that we very easily think of in terms of as spiritual practices, I think perspective is absolutely a key one. There was a man in Budapest who went to his rabbi to get some help. He went to his rabbi complaining to his rabbi saying, we in my family are living in unbearable conditions. There are nine of us living in a very, very small house. It is horrible. What can we do? And the rabbi says, go home, untie your goat, and bring the goat into the house. The man says, you have got to be kidding. There are nine of us in the house. Bring my goat into the house? The rabbi says, yes, go home, bring the goat into the house, and come back in a week. The man comes back in a week, and he says to the rabbi, you are crazy. It is unbearable. There are nine of us in the house, and a goat it is filthy. It is smelly. It is chaotic. The rabbi says, go home and let the goat out and come back in a week. You know where this is going. He comes back in a week radiantly joyful. He says to the rabbi, it's a miracle. Life is wonderful. We are so happy there are only nine of us in the house. 
We laugh because we what? We recognize ourselves in the story. We recognize ourselves in the story. So always keep a sense of perspective. And when you find yourself losing it, think of a goat. <laughs> It'll get you laughing. And laughing will break up some of the cranky energy. The fourth, stay connected to others. Say that with me. Stay connected to others. I just finished the third of our Super Soul Saturdays, which was an event that I had created in my, in my helping our gatherings for good here at the church to try to raise money for a roof. And this particular Super Soul Saturdays gathering was for women who had bid on the opportunity to come and spend time with me and with each other in my home. And we have had such wonderful, deep and rich sharing, very deep and very, very quick, quickly we went deep. And one of the things we found ourselves talking about is we were sharing very openly about some of the tough places in our lives and some of the tough areas where it's so easy to lose our sense of perspective or to lose our joy or our feeling of contentment, especially when things in our families are not going well. I found myself sharing this practice with the group because as I'm working through some tough things in certain relationships in my life, I am finding that while I cannot do anything external to change those relationships. All I can do is step back, let go, and yet still stay connected. And what I mean by staying connected is staying connected in the heart, always keeping a door open, always being able to hold the highest and best. And when we can stay connected with each other no matter what, we will find that there is in us a growing sense of contentment and a growing sense of joy that will allow us to be a magnet to vibrate at a higher level and begin to soften the difficulties in our lives. So stay connected. And the very last is that every day do something for your soul. Every day, do something for, for your soul. Say that with me. <clears throat> Every day, do something for your soul. Let me ask you a question. Do you do something for your body every day? You should, that's a quick yes. You do many things every day for your body. Did you eat anything today? I won't get any more personal than that. We do stuff for our physical being many times every single day. We do things many times a day, or at least during the work week, to provide for our needs. Our, our, we work to earn money, to be able to have a roof over our head, blah, blah, blah. It's so easy for us to neglect completely what our souls need. And I don't know how we can experience true joy and contentment if we are ignoring the care and feeding of our souls. It's so easy to put it on the back burner. And what I have seen in years and years now of ministry is how often we will step back into our spiritual practice or step back into our spiritual communities when things are falling apart. And I'm glad that we do, but I often wonder, gee, if we stayed the course and cared for our soul's well-being, not just paying attention to it when our life is falling apart, but on a consistent basis. That we said, you know, in the same way I make room for everything else in my life, 
I'm going to make room for my soul. I'm not going to let anything keep me from doing the one or two things every day that lift me up on a soul level. I don't know exactly what those are for you. I hope you know what those are for you. And more than hoping that you know what they are for you, that you commit yourself to doing them. When Jesus talked about seeking first the kingdom of God and all these things would be added unto you, he's talking about the inner life. He's talking about the inner life, caring about your inner life. So it, it's so easy today, really. We have device, well, I don't have one of those Fitbit devices or Apple watches, but we can make our, our phones go off to remind us to meditate or to write in our gratitude journal. We have guided meditations in every language, in every style, for free at, the, at a fingertip. It's so easy, but we have to make the decision that we're no longer going to put the care and nurturing of our soul on the back burner. We're going to pull it out to the front. We're going to put it front and center. And that as we do that, we will find that all the other things in our life Oh my goodness, they start to work a little bit better. And then they start to work a whole lot better. So in closing, just a couple of reminders. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to cultivate it every day. You might begin by simply using an affirmation. I choose joy. I choose joy. And secondly, joy is the infallible sign of the presence of God. God bless you. Many people enjoy Reverend Wendy's talks and meditations and aren't able to attend the Unity Center in person. If you're part of our extended family from around the world and would like to help support the Unity Center, please go to our website or download our free app, which offers even more ways to connect with the Unity Center. Namaste. Namaste.